Good morning, family. Good to see all of you in the beautiful, sunny Japanese hall. Oh, hallelujah for sun, hey? Um, first, uh, greetings to anyone who is streaming online. Uh, that is where they will view our gathering this morning over there on that tripod. So if you're used to having deeply personal conversations in that side of the room, just know that a couple dozen other people will hear you. And you're welcome to do that if you want to still. Um, I think included in the group online is the Boschman family. Uh, fortunately sick this week and uh, uh, so a bit about my last couple days. I got a call on Friday saying, uh, Scott, I'm sick, I'm not gonna be there on Sunday. And so like, okay, we had a decision to make. Nelson was scheduled to do the sermon and uh, here I am instead. <laughs> with, very, with a very meager offering. I feel like the kid in the parable, uh, the story of the, the loaves and the fish. Uh, what can you do with this? And so I'm looking forward to finding out what God will do with very little. And I uh, just wanted to um, reiterate something that uh, Nelson actually brought up uh, in our pre-gathering prayer before last week's uh, gathering. Um, he just reminded me of this, um, that there's other things going around. And I just love that, because we can get so focused on the masks and the mandates and the, the sickness. And it's not to downplay that, it's awful, it's hard. But there's other things going around. And uh, Nelson told me it actually was inspired by a quote by Kenneth Tanner who said, remember, there are other things that are contagious in this world. Courage, patience, hope, a kind word, trust, prayer, laughter, wisdom, peace. I was wondering, can we add to this list? Just where you're at, just shout out some things that you've seen or experienced as contagious. Uh, what are the other things that are going around? Laughter. Creativity. Creativity. Hope. Hospitality. Hope. hope. Did someone say hope? Hope. Expressions of love. Yeah. Wonder. Wonder. Need. What was that? Need. N E E D. Need. Yeah, need. Was I supposed to know? That was. Thank you, Jenny. Need. <laughs> yeah. Redemption. Redemption. Joy. Yeah, great things. I'm tempted to keep going, just like fill time here, but <laughs> I, I'm so encouraged that there's, there's other things going around. And um, last week, we uh, focused on uh, Luke 4, 14 to 30. And I don't know about you, but I am so enjoying uh, the last few weeks being anchored in this gospel of Luke and Luke's retelling of Jesus' life. So cool. Um, and uh, if, if you haven't listened to last week's sermon, or if you weren't here, this picture really sums it up. This is by Bree Silva. Thank you for uh, doodling during the sermon. 
This is what she came up with. I don't know if you can see it, um, but in the top there it says, in their anger and offense, did they even notice Jesus leave? You can see the setting is on the edge of a cliff. There's a group of people, anger, rage, wrath, and then you can just see the, the one foot of Jesus leaving. And that comes from this passage that we looked at last week where Jesus was challenging their motives and changing the narratives. What he said in Luke 14, uh, Luke 4, 14 to 30 was unexpected and absolutely shocking. Um, as David L. Ostendorf says, God, and he's talking about this passage in Luke 4, uh, 4.14, God is unfolding a new narrative through the particularities of outsiders, of edge people who come to God and bear witness to God through God's actions in edge places and occasionally in temple settings. Deserts, drought-wracked lands, famine, struggling widows, dying children, disbelieving commanders, Servants, Isaiah, Elijah, Elisha, Jesus. So if you recall, or if you've heard the story, if you haven't, let me catch you up to speed. Jesus gives a very controversial sermon. And I'll read the response. You can read what the sermon was, but I'll read the response of the crowd in Luke 4, 28. All the people in the synagogue that heard it were furious. When they heard this, they got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Then this line that just really captivated my imagination, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. <laughs> he just left. Like Breeze Pick, they're all concerned with what's going on and Jesus just leaves. And Luke, as we've been following Luke, Luke follows the action which is around Jesus. He doesn't stay with the crowd, which I think is very interesting. And so the question, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus in the text? But also today, where's Jesus? Can I locate him? Or have I gotten caught up in debates or activities that he's not interested in? Has the action shifted and I missed it because I was so preoccupied with my thing, with what I thought was so important. Last week I told a bit of my own story and uh, my own engagement with this question, where is Jesus? And uh, had a very significant, kind of one of those life-changing moments um, and it was with a spiritual director and she asked me the same question, where is Jesus? And uh, I won't go into detail the story, but I just had a really clear, gentle, peaceful picture of Jesus coming to me, extending his hand saying, do you wanna go on an adventure, Scott? Then I had an encounter with God on a sailboat and uh, this quote by Mark Twain was really significant. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. And uh, yeah, just begin to see with fresh ears and fresh eyes, uh, verses like this one from Romans 8, that this resurrection life 
you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. And, you know, there's so much to my own personal story, and I know other people, you have stories of encounter and following Jesus. And uh, for me, recently has been making a shift, moving from fear and anxiety, specifically about the future, to a sense of play and wonder and creativity and answering this question for myself that still stands, where's Jesus? Again, where's he today in our lives, but also where's he at the end of Luke 4? And we'll get into Luke chapter 5 today. Well, you'll find as you follow Luke's narrative that he's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. He's unfolding a new narrative through outsiders and through edge people. And this is good news. Uh, He's bringing good news. Like he quoted the prophecy from Isaiah to the poor, proclaiming freedom to the captives, giving sight to the blind, freeing the oppressed, proclaiming favor to the outside, the outsider. The fulfillment of Isaiah is happening in real time. Jesus is liberating and healing. And to the end of Luke chapter 4, we follow this narrative where Jesus is healing people and casting out demons, proclaiming freedom to the captives, giving sight to the blind. He's doing it, and he's doing it today. Luke 5 is where we jump into next, and this is where I need your help. This morning, we're going to create, co-create a bit of a collective sermon. Um, I oddly have a strange amount of peace right now, knowing that this is the end of what I have to offer. (laughs) This is all I have. Uh, I have this strange sense of anticipation, too, that God could uh, show up now in our midst, that he could speak through our collective wisdom, knowledge, experience. And if you're, like, absolutely terrified right now, Don't worry, I'm not gonna force a microphone on you. I'm only gonna ask uh, for offerings, small meager offerings, uh, in hopes that they'll feed the crowd. So with that, can I, uh, I'm gonna gently lead us through something that's a bit of a Lectio Divina, if you've heard of that practice before, which just is Latin for divine reading. Uh, And we're gonna practice this together as a whole, as a community. Um, And so I'm gonna pray. And then uh, I will lead us through this uh, uh, collective sermon building experience and uh, would love for your participation. And you know what? That peace that I feel, I'm actually okay if no one says anything. So just rest assured that I'm totally fine if we end by reading scripture and sing again. That's fine. That's totally fine. But could there be more? Could there be something? Maybe? Let's see. Well, first, I think we should pray. Would you join me? Thank you, God, that other things are going around. Hope, joy, courage, peace. And I just pray in this moment, God, would you fill this room with your peace as the sunshine bathes our bodies in this room. God, would your peace flood this room a deep sense of shalom, that everything is okay, even when it's not.
Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us through this text this morning and uh, take these ancient words and give us something fresh, a fresh word for today, a fresh vision, a fresh idea or thought. We ask this boldly and we're taking a risk. Um, so would you be faithful to meet us now, God? Amen. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take the lectionary reading for today, Luke chapter 5, a continuation, the next chapter after this scene with breeze drying. I'm going to read it, and the first time, we're going to actually read it four times in total. The first time, I just want you to sit back. I want you to listen to the scene. Carrie's just read it. I'm going to read it again. Uh, I'm going to read it slowly, and I want you to imagine being there. Imagine what's happening. Maybe think of the question, where is Jesus? So just picture, picture the scene as I read it the first time, and then I'll lead you through and ask different uh, questions each time we read it. First reading, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. The second time I read it now, I want you to listen, and maybe something's already stuck out to you or started to percolate a bit. Uh, I want you to listen for a specific word or a phrase that jumps out to you. you. You don't have to ask too many questions of why, or jump ahead to figuring out a reason, but just notice what sticks out to you this next time I read through the passage. And just trust that something may be highlighted for a reason. So as I read through it a second time, be listening, be noticing, what is that phrase, what is that word or an image that's sticking out? One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats 
left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little further from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Was there a word or a phrase that stuck out to you? If there was, just begin to jot it down, either in your memory or if you have, uh, if it helps to write it on your phone or with a pen or paper, a word or image. If you didn't get anything, don't worry. Just stay with me. Stay with me and keep listening. Keep seeing what that word or image might be for you and trust that something might come. I'm gonna read it a third time. And I want you to stick with that word or image you received, that phrase, if there was something that jumped out at you. And I want you this third time as I read it to think on that word and phrase and ask why it might be sticking out to you. Is there some sort of intersection to your life today? So ask that as I read it a third time. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Again, if you're not, if there's no image or phrase already, or if there's no intersection that's obvious, just stay with it. It's okay. Um, are you beginning to write out your own little mini sermonette, or in your mind, or on your paper? I hope so. 
Um, but take, take that word or phrase, you started to ruminate on why that might be intersecting with your life. And I'm gonna read it one last time. And I wanna ask the question of what might be an invitation for you or us today. So continue to let that word and phrase sink in deeper to you. It might take you on a tangent. I would suggest you follow the tangent. So as this fourth time, as the scripture's read, think about that phrase, think about what the invitation might be for yourself personally or for us today. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. I want to invite us to just pause for a moment, about 30 seconds, just to let what has uh, stuck out to you. Again, if nothing is coming to mind, it's okay. You can still follow along. Uh, and just take a minute to just let what has been read, what has been revealed, what has stuck out, just to soak in uh, right now. So just a 30 second pause here. All right, let's make a sermon. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, if you are terrified, again, that's okay. And it's easy to leave, too, if you are that uncomfortable. Um, I want to say, too, this is not a new practice. That I would say the way that we traditionally do sermons maybe is newer than this way of the community hermeneutic where people offer their wisdom in the room, their experience, they're expounding on the text. And um, yeah, so we're gonna practice that this morning, the community hermeneutic. And wanna invite you to share what you're hearing. 
And so if you, if it's just simply that word or phrase that was really resonating with you, I want to hear it. If there's a specific intersection of why that was maybe connecting with you, I would love to hear your story. Or the, uh, We'll try to keep it brief. When I say story, we don't have enough for each person to go 15 minutes long, but uh, just a short little snippet. And then, um, and then also invitation. So one of those three things, um, what are you hearing in that? And uh, I'm going to come to you if you just raise your hand. I'm gonna put the mic in front of you and I uh, would ask you to keep your mask on. I'm gonna keep mine on just to avoid the amount of, um, scientifically, I think there's things happening that are gonna touch the mic. And so I'm trying to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, particles, yeah, germs. Okay, so um, what are you hearing? And who would like to offer, uh, offer something here? Um, I'm Shauna, for any of you I haven't met. Um, yeah, I was listening to that, and the thing that I heard um, was the phrase, you know, we worked all, we worked hard all night and didn't catch anything. And sorry, I get really emotional when I talk, so I'm okay. I just want you to know that I'm okay. Um, and I feel like that's a really, that's a feeling I have a lot. I'm sure many of you have a lot. This idea that you've worked really hard and you've done all the right things. And where is that reward? And um, I think it's so, sorry, I really am okay. I just am. I think it's really interesting that for them, the reward that they got had nothing to do with how hard they worked or doing the right thing. And I think the invitation there that speaks out against kind of a capitalist narrative and a Protestant work ethic narrative that says not only if you work hard are you rewarded, but it's morally good. And here, it's just grace. And they were astonished. And I wonder where we're being invited to let down our nets so we can be astonished. That's it. Thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you, Sean. Bree. really stick out to me and I feel like there's a lot of weight on that um, but we worked hard all night like um, I think what came up for me in my life is like I know that feeling too like sometimes in the area of like making art or music like coming to it and having such a long block there's nothing there um, and I kind of relate it to just where my mind goes is like this pandemic, like we did the vaccines, we did the masking, we worked so hard and we have not worked this out. Um, and just that desperation. Um, I don't know exactly what the invitation is other, other than like I felt the sense of like grace, like yeah, it didn't work. And then Jesus got into like the sign of failure, like the empty boat and then meets with people. <laughs> like, oh, here's this thing that, that really didn't work at all. Okay, like, I'll, I'll get in here. 
um, with you. And there's no formula to that other than that, like, that's not the end of the story. And I've experienced, yeah, in many areas where it's just like, I got nothing. I didn't work this out. So it feels still frustrating because you can't, like, plan on that. <laughs> other than it's trust and and being with God and with people and, and being in that emptiness. Thanks, Reed. I'm just curious. I think there's something here that's so powerful. And I'm so glad we're doing this. This is way better than any sermon I could have cobbled together. Um, so thank you, Shauna and Bree. I'm curious, did anyone else, did that image or phrase stick out to you? Wow. <laughs> wow. And, and of you, is there anyone that wants to expound on that, what's already been said? Alexia, and then I'll come to Carolee. Awesome. Yeah, I think they summarized it well. The only other invitation piece for me in that phrase was that the sufficiency and the abundancy came just being in the presence of Jesus. Thanks, Lex. Yeah. So I identify with the working hard piece, but what stood out for me was put out into deeper water and like reflecting over my life. I think I've kind of believed that if I work hard enough, I don't have to address the pain and disappointment of like basically shattered dreams or unmet expectations. And I feel like this week for me, God was inviting me to just go deep and be angry at him, um, tell him the honest truth, and feel the pain that I've been trying to avoid for a really long time. And um, I felt like it's, he's just telling me that that's not wrong and that I'm a human being and that I don't need to hold that against myself and I'm safe that part of me is safe with him. Like, he loves all of me. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't get the phrase deep water and put out into deep water. Uh, uh, that was just... Um, I found it fascinating just that Jesus was considering the staging of all this, where he starts by, he's like out on the beach and he's teaching some people... And he's like, wait, actually, can, can I get on your boat? And we'll just put out a bit. So maybe they'll probably have to, like, listen even further. And then, then he thought, well, okay, you know what? This lesson, let's, we need to go, go far out and out of, out of comfort. And so just a reminder to me, someone who likes to be comfortable and, you know, just in my normal settings that, like, you know, learning and growth will take place out in the deep water. So, anyone else? Danny. And then Jenny, you had your hand up earlier. Do you want to go after Danny? Okay. This is a great sermon. <laughs> no, you're, you're there. <clears throat> I was really struck by how Luke made a point of how in agreement the disciples were. And these, uh, if I may be so bold, these were argumentative, opinionated Middle Eastern men 
who almost never agreed on anything. And Luke talks about how the, the disciples responded, not how the, the people responded at this amazing catch. And, and so I think the message there for me and for us might be one of the many messages is that there's something bigger going on than our differences. And when I, you know, watch the news again this morning, there's something bigger going on than whether I like or don't like the truckers and the people around it. There's something bigger going on. Lord, help me to see it. Because right now I'm, I'm kind of lost on it. Thanks, Danny. Uh, two parts stuck out to me. One was the beginning where Luke says the people were clamoring around Jesus to hear the word of God, which made me wonder, was Jesus speaking then? Or were they all just like, what we're doing right now? <laughs> um, and then secondly, um, after Jesus was finished speaking, then he moved the boat out into deep waters. And that kind of correlation kept going through my head of after Jesus finished speaking, then he went out into deep waters and instructed them to let down their nets. And I just have been thinking a lot lately about timing and reading scripture, how Jesus would sometimes say, heal someone and then go tell them to tell people. And then sometimes heal them and say, don't tell people. And I'm like, why? I don't understand, it's not black and white which is not what faith with seems to be. It's not this black and white thing, but there's something very much about sticking close to listening to the word of God, the spirit, and, and trusting the timing and knowing that it's not in our strength that something will be caught. And I think in my own life, the invitation is what, I have this like extreme desire and passion for people to experience God's love. <laughs> And when it's not happening the way I think it should, I'm like, ah, oh, dang, I failed. But it's not about me. And then he surprises us and we're astonished. We're like, oh, wait, it's supposed to be an astonishing thing, not like I've done a good job. So yeah, I just want us to, I want to do, be, I'm encouraged by knowing, oh yeah, I just need to listen, but like, and then, and then like be close and then go deep when it's time, and just trust that the power of God is behind that, so. Ooh, yes. Let's go Peter and then Crystal here. Yeah, question I've been asking this week of God is, so we're supposed to be doing the will, the will of the Father, it's part of the Lord's Prayer. So how do we know what the will of the Father is? So three things stuck out uh, for me in this. And I think they tie together. One was the deep water that some of you mentioned. The other is because you say so. And then finally, they left everything. So I'm wondering if the invitation to me and maybe to others is, is Jesus calling me to leave everything and head out into deep water? Oh. <laughs> Did you want to add something? Wow, thanks, Peter. 
Yeah, uh, the, the image that really stood out to me was the boats, actually. Just like this picture of these boats sitting kind of abandoned on the side. And Brie, you spoke to that about this kind of failed vessel. Um, you know, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the people, and he got into one. And as I've kind of been grappling with, um, yeah, I would say like the death of some dreams and some, some vessels I've really invested in, this question kind of came forth for me is, you know, this notion that the abandoned vessel becomes a vessel for abundance. And even drawing on what you shared at the beginning um, around what's left at the edges and God drawing in on the edges, these boats that are kind of there on the peripheral, um, what have we left at the edges that God wants to repurpose for abundance? So that was a question I wanted to share. Can you say that question again? What have we left at the edges that God wants to repurpose for abundance? And one more time. Well, I, I want to, you know, part of a, a good sermon, I think, is that there is a good question that comes that you kind of reflect on. And maybe we just need to pause here and just think about that. And mix with Peter's questions, too. But can you say that again? What have we left at the edges that God wants to repurpose for abundance? Just take some moments to think about that. What have you left at the edges that God wants to repurpose for abundance? notes I promise um, but that was the sentence that stood out to me actually even this morning when I was just reading the scripture in, re in readiness for this it was that it was that piece of um, saw the two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets and what I saw in that was like they, they're really really done like this is completion I'm shutting my laptop it's going away like I'm washing my nets like this is finished it's done and um, I don't know where it went to a little bit in my mind was I think our experience, I'll speak for myself, my experience of church can feel a bit like that over the last couple of years. It's like, didn't we do this already? Didn't we keep going? Didn't we keep trying? And I'm ready to pack up the nets. And um, I mean, we, the data, it's all there. Like, I think many of us are feeling that. And so, yeah, nevertheless, this kind of invitation for me to say, I'm, I'm, you're I know you're ready to wrap. You're washing your nets. You're ready to wrap. Could you try one more? Um, could you trust? Could you keep going? Because there's an there's an abundance, and it's surprising, and all the things that people have said. But yeah, just that that place of completion and finality, and one more. Oh, yeah, and even the faith to to say Jesus because you say so. It's not because I'm feeling it. This is not resonating with me, but because you say so. That obedience, that humility. Oof. Yeah, um, the thing that really stuck out to me was the, the nets beginning to break and the boats beginning to sink. And I think anxiety has been on my mind a lot because we've, I mean, we're in the middle of a mental health crisis. And I was thinking about the, the boats as like security and a sense of livelihood, these nets. A lot of work goes into keeping nets uh, well-maintained. And I, I couldn't help but think that like they, it would be so easy for these, these people to be anxious about their boat, about their security and about their nets. And um, 
And I think for me, the challenge is just like, is there, is there like a, um, like a, a blessing coming my way that I'm, I'm a little too worried about keeping the order in the boat and the net to actually let it start to sink and threaten that. Thanks, Nathan. I'm wondering, yeah, a few more. Uh, Nikki, sorry, and then Dana. And I wanted to know if any of the kids had anything that was sticking out, any of the junior youth uh, that are here, I think, or 12 or 11 year olds that are in the, in the room. Um, if you do, don't shy away, put up your hand and I'll come. Even if it seems really simple, I'd love to hear your voices too. Uh, but we'll go Nikki, Dana, I'll throw it out to the kids and then, uh, Ask someone to wrap it up, wrap up the sermon. Jonathan, you want to do the conclusion? Okay. <laughs> Hi. Um, the phrase that stood out to me um, has been said a couple of times, um, and I felt it in a different way, and it was, but because you said so. Um, there were parts before and parts after that, that gave it context, but it was always the, but because you said so, there's like this turn. I just feel this like swishing of water. Um, and, and the, just thinking about it in light of comparison of, um, like what's logical, <laughs> like we just did all this stuff all night. We just like, we just cleaned up everything. We, we did the thing at the time that made the most sense. We worked so hard, but because you said so, even though it doesn't make, it makes no sense, we'll do the thing. Um, comparison. What are others doing? What would other people do in this in this space? What would other? How would other people react? But because you say so, uh, I will. Uh, so, like, what are other people doing around you? What are people doing right next to you? Like, but God, what are you saying? Lord, what will you say? And because you say so, what will I do? So good. How many of you that phrase was sticking out uh, because you said so? Yeah. Cool. Okay, Dana. And then Jonathan, you got that conclusion. Hi everyone, I'm Dana. Um, the two things that stood out to me were the crowd at the beginning and um, following Jesus kind of at the end. And I'm, I feel like I'm stuck in this um, phase in my life where um, I'm, I'm constantly giving and I, I'm trying to hold on to me and where where am I in, in all of this, but realizing that it's such a, a privilege and I don't know if any of you know our story, but it's just such a privilege to be um, in the crowd of our kids and to be able to teach to them. And, um, and I just need to really constantly remember to follow Jesus in the midst of that and to look at Jesus and um, that he can help me in the midst of the, the chaos and the focusing on, on them. And um, yeah. Thank you. Speaking of kids, is, does any of the kids have anything to add? You can just raise your hand and I'll say your name too so people know. Um, so my name is Colette, I'm Roya's friend. Um, so the line that stood out to me was the boats sinking. So that stood out to me because I feel like we can often feel like sinking is a bad thing. Um, 
but never in that text did it say that they were like terrified that their boats were sinking. Um, and so I feel like uh, I wanted to highlight that like we should allow us our boats to be filled with God's love and mercy so that we do sink into the into him. Um, and so yeah, that's just what stood out. I love that. Sink into Jesus. Yeah, give me some of that. Thanks, Colette. Yeah, thanks. Any of the other kids want to say something? My daughter's avoiding me right now. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, Jonathan. We're going to start to wrap it up here. I, I just love what's happening here. And um, I, uh, I'm hoping that we can uh, kind of just let these thoughts sit. I think this recording needs to go on our podcast to hear it again, but I won't do it until I've gotten permission from all of you. So uh, I'm just thinking that it'd be great to rehearse this and to, to listen through again. Um, but sorry, Jonathan, right before I give it to you. And we're gonna, pro, uh, you know, send this to the, the people. Yeah, no, uh, no pressure. But Jonathan and then anyone else that has maybe a bit of a concluding word or Someone that's maybe seeing a bit, some th common threads here, uh, I would invite you to, to bring that. Ready to be blown away, everyone. <laughs> um, no, actually, I, I want to say, like, Colette, that was awesome. Like, that was really, really striking, just hearing about their sinking, but that maybe is not a bad thing. I, I really love that. Um, what I was thinking of is just in the greater context, what you talked about last week, Scott, like, Jesus was in a place where people are literally crowding around him, but they're trying to kill him. And then in this one, it's so different. Like, if you didn't have that context, you'd be like, oh, what, people are trying to kill him? But I like how Jenny said before, people are clambering, but it's a good thing. They want to listen to him. They're te he's teaching. And I was just kind of struck with two questions. The first was, what in the previous chapter is so threatening to people that they don't want to follow Jesus? Um, and then what is it about Jesus in this chapter or in general that is so inviting, that's still so contrasted with these people's responses? And I wonder in our life now, if that stuff still happens, we're here in church and other people around the world, and what is threatening even to us about following Jesus and, and what's inviting and, and why do we do it? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Jonathan. Anyone else seeing any common threads you want to bring up right now? Yeah, Audrey. Uh, I think the common thread that I keep hearing is everyone's feeling a little hopeless. And in this story, I often identify with Peter, which is really annoying because he's, in my opinion, the most annoying disciple. Um, he just keeps messing up. Um, anyway, so just the, the hopelessness with which he obeys Jesus because Jesus said so, and then the faith that comes afterward, and then as soon as this abundance comes, Jesus is like, okay, now your life has changed. They don't get to be fishers anymore, despite this huge success. They're now becoming fishers of people. So this huge transformation that comes as soon as they get that security. Um, so just the invitation of faith, and for myself, I've been really, really 
feeling hopeless lately. I'm just like, what's the point? What's the point of recycling if the world is on fire? Um, and that's not the invitation. The invitation is to be faithful and to do, listen and follow the voice of Jesus and trust that the faith is going to come afterwards and that that's going to bring more change and that's going to disrupt some more things. But the faith keeps building and God is faithful even when I'm not. And I think that maybe sums up some of the things. Right, I think it does very well. So one more person, just... Yeah, Jesse, and then we'll come to the table. Yeah, I think this is similar to what Audrey was saying, but as an elementary school teacher, I really noticed the kind of the format of his teaching. And at first he was at the beach and really crowded around by a lot of people, which is very relatable. And then he needed to move away so that he could see everyone and and everyone could see him as well, like definitely a, a sense of seeing. And then I connected, it, was, it felt like a bookend at the end when Peter, it was Peter, right? He, when he was overwhelmed by this miracle, he didn't want to be seen by Jesus anymore. And he was really uncomfortable with that and upset by that. And then later, um, I was like, well, what, what made him okay with seeing Jesus or, or following him? And like this invitation that Jesus gave him of, um, well, you're not going to do your job anymore. This thing that you've been laboring over all night and it's been exhausting, nothing came of it. And then here I come and, you know, like it's kind of exhausting. And um, yeah, just the idea of like, I've got, I've got a new job for you. That sense of hope. That's great. Oh, so much goodness here. Just so grateful for all of you sharing, all of you participating in this collective sermon. And just gratitude to God. Uh, and God, I just want to say thanks for showing up, for speaking, for giving us fresh ears to hear your word again. Uh, you are so good.